All right, uh, the Second Amendment. It's very important. It's important because it it is what uh, keeps the balance of our relationship as we the people being in charge of our government. And it's important that individuals be armed and trained and responsible gun owners so that they can protect themselves. And this happens literally all the time. And you don't almost, almost never hear about it. You almost never hear about armed citizens defending themselves. Now, my good buddy, the lovable curmudgeon in the morning on 630 KHOW, Michael Brown does a an awesome segment in which he I think he calls it what is it the the taxpayer something anyway it, it's he actually focuses on stories of law abiding citizens using firearms to defend themselves and in the process eliminating uh, very bad people who are hurting and murdering people from the gene pool so to speak um, you know I mean. Darwinism at its best, right? You do stupid things, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, that kind of thing. But there is an enormous number of defensive firearms uses in America that don't get reported. Uh, my friend John Lott, um, he writes quite a bit of commentary. Uh, it pops up in Town Hall, Washington Times, uh, Red, uh, Real Clear Politics. He's also the head of the Crime Prevention Research Center. And uh, a statistics... Um, I should say genius, like he's really good with stats. In fact, under the Trump administration, he served in that administration providing specific statistics to the FBI and other agencies, and he's with us now. John, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir? Uh, doing, doing great. It's good to talk to you again. You as well. Um, this particular piece that um, I want to discuss, you you wrote in Real Clear Politics, and you talked about how one of the things that you noticed was that defensive uses of handguns were severely undercounted and in particular with regards to mass shootings and the the number of law-abiding citizens good guy with a gun that end up putting down a bad guy with a gun in a mass shooting situation how bad is it uh it's it's pretty bad the fbi numbers so when i was working in the department of justice i was senior advisor for research and statistics one of my jobs was to go and look at the FBI's active shooting reports and evaluate them. And if you take the period of time, let's say from 2014 through 2022, the FBI claims that about 14 of 302 active shooting cases uh, were stopped by civilians with permanent concealed handguns. So just so everybody knows, an active shooting case is a case where somebody fires a gun in public uh, that's not part of some other type of crime, like a robbery or a gang fight over drug turf. Uh, it can be anything from uh, one person being shot at and missed all the way up to a mass public shooting. And uh, so, I mean, it was pretty obvious when I started looking at this stuff that they were systematically missing cases where uh, a civilian with a permit had stopped uh, an attack. And... Uh, so I've kind of gone through and, and done it more systematically. And I, I think that rather than the 4% that they claim of, of attacks being stopped by civilians, I think it's about 40%. And they not only miss cases, but they also misclassified some cases. So you have instances like uh, um, the church shooting uh, in White Settlement uh, near Fort Worth, Texas in December 2019. Um uh, where a man went into a church, uh, fired a gun, and was quickly stopped by one of the parishioners carrying a permanent concealed handgun. They classified him as a security guard, 
when he is not a security guard at all and just a regular uh, parishioner there. In fact, according to the man, because I talked to him while I was at the Department of Justice, uh, there was they don't even know how many, but it's like 18 or 20 other people in the church at that time were carrying permanent concealed handguns with the permission of the minister there. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, so you, you know, you have this huge gap, but it's not only that. Um, one of the things I, one of the points I've argued with the people in the FBI when I was there was, uh, look guys, uh, you have to separate out places where people are allowed to carry versus ones where they're not, these so-called gun-free zones, because you're talking about law-abiding citizens stopping these attacks. And you can't expect a law-abiding citizen to carry a permit-concealed handgun in places where it's illegal for them to carry. And if you do that in 2022, for example, you find over 60% of the active shooting cases were actually stopped by uh, civilians legally carrying concealed handguns. That's that's a stunning increase in in the number of stops, and and, and it does a disservice one to law-abiding gun owners that 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 it's reported the way it's reported, and it does a disservice to the Second Amendment as well and the importance of it. Um, yeah. it but but you and I probably both believe that that is on purpose. Well, I mean, look, uh, can people make mistakes? I mean, the, it's amazing. The FBI literally spends millions of dollars going and doing news story searches because the, the police departments don't collect this data. They go and use news stories to put this together, uh, which can be problematic. I mean, they're, you know, uh, the news media is not going to cover all of these types of cases where something bad is stopped from happening, and we can talk about that. But it's, it's one thing to, despite spending millions of dollars, to just make mistakes and missing these cases. But yeah. when somebody tells you, here are the cases, here here's the references, you can check them yourself, and they never go back and correct the missing cases that they have there, that's that's something worse. That's And... Uh, um, you know, uh, there's been a lot of discussions about how politics has been affecting the FBI and the Department of Justice generally. Um, I can't comment generally. I just worked with the data people when I was there uh, in the Department of Justice. And I can just tell you, I, I question a lot of the data that comes out of the FBI these days. And, uh, um, you know, it's it's very concerning because I, I, I think politics, at least for the data people, uh, there are a lot of true believers that they have there that if, if it goes and helps advance a certain political cause, uh, you know, the data will come out a different way. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty scary because we're supposed to be able to rely on our government to have our best interests at heart, not a political agenda's best interests at heart, which is pretty clear that that's, that's becoming the case. Um, in particular, and we're talking with John Lott, um, there are a lot of times when, even not even related to mass shootings, where a an armed citizen stops a bad thing before it ever even really happens simply by being armed. Um, but there's no real way, John, to track those kinds of things, are there? Because, you know, authorities don't always hear about it. 
Um, and then when they do, it, it's it's usually not something that ends up getting reported in the news, you know. Right. Well, look, um, <laughs> there are surveys that are done that indicate that about 95 percent of the time that people use guns defensively, simply brandishing a gun is enough to stop uh, the criminal from engaging the attack. And, and just violent crime itself that is that does occur, uh, you know, so it's not stopped before it occurs, like you're talking about with these defensive gun uses. Uh, only about 22 percent of violent crimes are reported to police. So, you know, you have a lot of cases that are never reported. And the ones that tend not to be reported are the ones that never became uh, a violent crime uh, to begin with because they were stopped by a citizen before the crime occurred. Um, and, uh, you know, and the media doesn't cover uh, even most of the violent crimes that get reported to the police. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, there's no reason to believe that people really are getting an accurate impression. I, I'll give you an example here. Sure. Uh, two years ago, we did kind of a deep dive on news coverage across the country and on defensive gun uses. And um, the thing is, if uh, if you look at the news stories that are out there, over half the news stories of defensive gun uses involve instances where the attacker was killed uh, by the person using the gun defensively. Uh, about 45% of the other cases are instances where the attacker was wounded and only four percent of the cases involve simple brandishing of a gun where uh and and almost all those are the unusual situations where the person brandished the gun and then held the criminal at gunpoint until the police arrived yeah and so whereas we know that about 95 percent of these cases involve simple brandishing so you know, it's not too surprising. If you're editor of a news bureau and you have two stories that come across your desk, in one case, there's a dead body on the ground. In another case, a woman's brandished a gun. The would-be attackers run away. No shots are fired. No dead body on the ground. You're not even sure what crime would have been committed. Right. Which story are you going to cover? Yeah, no. It that, seems that... pretty obvious. We would all would cover the first one. And here's the problem. The point is, isn't that there's obvious bias. It's just that what the news media considers newsworthy doesn't always provide a very accurate picture of what's actually happening in the real world. I, I fully something... Yeah, I, I fully agree with you, John, and I think that that's an interesting point when you have if you have a bureaucracy that has politically gone off the rails like like we were talking earlier, right? Like they've decided we're going to support an agenda. They can also take advantage of that. Like you said, it might not just be it might not be malice on the part of reporters not covering a story that is basically a quote unquote non story, but it's being taken advantage of by people in bureaucracies that are using numbers as well um, to to not get caught in downplaying the importance of being an armed and responsible citizen. No, but they are downplaying it, unfortunately, because they're. There are lots of news stories of defensive gun uses stopping active shooting cases that even with the news stories, they're not including those news stories. And yeah. even when they're, the news stories are pointed out to them, look, nobody needs to take my word for these cases that are being missed. Uh, on our website at crimeresearch.org, we put up all the cases that 
that we found doing new and and I have to tell you, uh, we did this with a budget of just a few thousand dollars. We didn't spend millions of dollars uh, that they spend uh, on putting the FBI active shooting reports together to go and do do these new searches. So I, I don't make any claim that I have found all the news stories on this because, as right. I said, we just spent a tiny micro percent of the fraction of the money that the federal government had. But even though we spent just a tiny fraction, we found like 140 cases that they missed over those years uh, that they didn't include. Wow. And and so, um, uh, you know, there may even be more out there. But, yeah. uh, but you know, when you go from uh, 4% to 40% and then remove cases where uh, it was illegal for the uh, attacker to, for the permit holder to carry a gun, these gun-free zones that you're talking about up to 60 percent. Uh, you know, that's a pretty big, pretty big gap between four percent and and those higher numbers. So I only have a couple minutes left and I want to ask you one other question. You wrote a book called More Guns, Less Crime. Um, when you looked at those numbers, when you were in the Justice Department and when you've looked at them through Crime Prevention Research Center, do you find that that continues to hold up, that places that have looser gun laws, meaning more armed citizens, there is lower crime continuing? Yeah, look, uh, if you make you can make it risky for criminals to commit crime with higher arrest rates, higher conviction rates, longer prison sentences. Anybody who's read my academic research knows that I think the police are the single most important factor for stopping uh, violent crime. I don't think there's any doubt about that in my mind. But you can also make it risky for criminals to go and commit crime by having it so that uh, the victims themselves are able to go and defend themselves. And and we see this in lots of different ways. And, you know, I, I give you one simple statistic, and that is every place in the world that's banned either all guns or all handguns it's seen murder rates go up. You know, if guns on net are bad, it seems like it should be easy to find case after case where all guns are banned or all handguns are banned and murder rates go down. Right. Right? People have seen this in the United States with Washington, D.C. and Chicago and the increases that they had in murder rates. But, you know, gun control advocates will say, look, that's not a fair test because people can get guns from the rest of Illinois or Indiana or Maryland, Virginia. That doesn't explain why it went up. It may explain why it didn't go down like they were predicting. But you can look at whole nations. You can look at island nations like Jamaica or the Republic of Ireland or or the U.K. uh, that banned either all guns or all handguns and saw murder rates go up by very large um, percentages after the ban went into effect every single time. You think out of randomness. Right. Once or twice it would go down. And, and also you see no change in suicides. You see a drop in, in firearm suicides, but total suicides remain unchanged. The people merely switch from using guns to something else to go and commit suicides. Yeah, that's wild. Listen, I highly recommend your website. It's a great place if you want to research to try to talk to people and convince people about the truth. It's uh CrimeResearch.org is the website, the Crime Prevention Research Center, CrimeResearch.org. Check out John Lott's book, More Guns, Less Crime, and his writings. And on that website, you post a lot of your appearances in the media and your discussions and your your columns as well. John, always appreciate 
um, your measured point of view on this stuff, and, and thanks for getting that data out there. If we can't get the mainstream media to pay attention, we'll talk about it to our friends. Well, thank you for being there, Leland.